0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're continuing our series on how I found my Great Loop boat, because we know there are lots of you out there still looking, and it always helps to hear the experiences of others and how they selected the right boat, and, and in this difficult market, for some, how they went about finding it. So that's our mission today. Our guests are Sue Steven and Craig Blassingame, and they will be with us in just a moment. Before we bring them in, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. So I'd like to go ahead now and welcome Sue and Craig. Sue, Craig, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, and
1: we're glad to be here.
0: Yeah, this has been a really interesting series because we've had so many loopers on who have had different types of boats, different levels of experience before getting their Great Loop boat, and of course, ultimately, different experiences finding and buying that boat. So let's start kind of at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and, and your, your Great Loop plans. Um, well, I was in the U.S. Navy as an officer, so I learned boating
1: on a, a ship that was 600 feet long so anything smaller than that is easy (laughs) there we Uh, go (laughs)
0: and
1: and I was the navigator of the ship so I know how to find our way around um um, but now we're both retired and we live in San Diego
2: and I was a NOAA Corps officer and so I made charts so we've we've got navigation down to a a fine science uh but uh the other the other parts of it are, are all new yeah
0: well, and, and thank you for your service. Um, it, it's great to hear. I don't know that we've had a Navy officer and someone who actually was responsible for making and maintaining charts before. So that is great experience. So it's interesting to hear that while it sounds to most of us like you've got extensive maritime experience, and you do, that parts of this process are new for you. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about what boats you've personally owned in the past and um you know, what your thought was about those as you're preparing for the Great Loop. Um, Well,
1: right after we got married, we bought a ski boat. So um, Craig taught me how to ski in my mid 40s. And um, that was a lot of fun. We lived on a river on the East Coast. And then after right before we retired, we moved to San San Diego and then up to San Francisco. And I said to Craig, well, instead of of buying a house let's buy a boat and live on it and so um we bought a what's called a blue water cruising sailboat 46 mm-hmm. six feet long um good enough to take us around the world um and so that's the boat we learned how to sail on a big boat uh in a big wind area of san francisco
0: and, and where?
2: We, yeah we, we took that boat down to uh back down to San Diego, and then eventually to Mexico a couple of times. And uh, um, on about a two-year cycle there where we were going down to Mexico.
0: Mm -hmm. So what made you decide, um, being Blue Water sailors, that the Great Loop was something you wanted to do?
1: Well, you know, the cruising grounds on the Pacific are few and far between and having done Mexico for five months and seven months on two different trips we felt like we had sort of seen it all on the west coast um and so we are both from the east coast so we thought why don't we see if we can't find something that we can use both on the east coast and eventually bring back here to California
2: Uh so that's why
1: we decided to transition we had sold our large boat and so we had money to Uh buy another boat we actually have Bought two other boats before our looper boat. We bought a um, a small racing sailboat, twenty feet long, and we also bought a small electric boat, twenty feet long. So um, our looper boat that we bought, which is twenty-four feet long, is now our big boat.
0: Yeah. So you've had obviously a wide variety of boats over the years. How did those past boat ownership experiences? You know everything, sailboats, electric boats. How did that influence your decisions when it came time to decide what was the best boat for your great loop? I
2: I think most of what it influenced me was it had to be a boat that I could maintain myself. And that's been even true with the larger boats, is that you kind of become um, the mayor of, the, of a little tiny city in which you have to handle Um, all of the electrical concerns and all of the power concerns, et cetera. Um, And you, you you pretty much have to know how to fix something on the fly, um, which we certainly were glad that we could do Um, on the last trip. I don't know if you know or not, but while we were at Joe Wheeler, we were the boat that had lost a propeller.
0: Okay. I I did not realize that that was you. Mm -hmm. So, Tell us a little bit about the boat that you did pick. You mentioned it was a 24-foot boat, but, but tell us more. What kind of boat is it? Um, what did you decide?
1: Yeah, so um, what was interesting is during COVID, we were reading the U.S. Boat Magazine's Dreaming of Boating, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we saw this really nice photograph of the Rossboro Rendezvous at Burnt Shore Marina in Florida. And when I saw that, and I, I looked at Craig, and I said, we ought to get one of these boats. They're so cute so we started a very uh long search for that boat what what we really did is first we looked into what was that boat what type of boat was it and it's a what's called a pocket trawler um it fits on a trailer you can trailer it with no problems and so we not only looked up that boat and and the details but we also then looked up other boats that are small trawlers to compare so that's where we started was let's get a boat like that Um, but the actual search was both easy and hard. The hard part was, um, all of the brokers had listings of these boats. And then when you call them, they said, oh no, we sold that six months ago. So they had kept up their old listings. There were no boats for sale. As many people realized during COVID, there were no Rossboro's for sale. So we ended up joining the, um, Rossboro has a user's group. If -hmm. you have a Rossboro or want to have a Rossboro. And so we ended up joining that group. And just kept saying, you know, we're looking for a boat, we're looking for a boat. And just in the meantime, we were reading about all the different boat um, issues, not issues, but features. So um, we were learning about the boat. Um, And then after six months, a boat popped up at 730 in the morning on the website. And we called the owner that day. And after a one hour conversation with the owner, we bought the boat sight unseen for the asking price.
2: And and with plan to only uh, actually get the boat about two months later because at that point we were waiting till we had uh, our vaccinations for COVID before we uh, went out to the East Coast. So yeah. so we had a boat a boat sail pending for two months.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that process, and it's it's not all that common right now to to you know, basically have a, an offer on a boat site on scene because they are selling so fast that it's actually somewhat typical um, you know, to have an offer contingent on personal inspection and survey. But since you were doing this through the Rossboro Group and, and didn't have a broker, tell us a little bit about what that process was like for you and how you, you know, got a comfort level for a boat that you hadn't seen yet.
2: Well, I think part of it was that we, we had had a really big boat in the past, mm-hmm. and this boat cost less than a used car. Mm-hmm. So I, I was more comfortable with it, not having a survey, not not having a, a, a full due diligence. Um, I also got the, the current owner to send me lots of pictures and information about what kind of maintenance he had done on it. And then I... Um, started looking around for similar boats um, about the same age that were Rossboros and what I could find in terms of pictures on the website and the features and that sort of thing and and what what people were recommending on the Rossboro website of what features you should have. And I I had a list of the features on this boat. Um, But I, I really, one of the funniest things was that we were looking up the engine type and I was looking because I wasn't it's a inboard outboard which is unusual for Rossboro we were looking up the engine type and we found a YouTube video of an engine running um up in in somebody's yard with a a water hose connected to it and they were they were just demoing the engine running and we got to the end of it And as they pulled back from the boat, we looked at the writing on the side of the boat and realized that this was a video from the owner before the guy that we were buying this from running on the boat we were getting ready to buy. So that gave me a lot of of feeling that, that, that the guy we were buying it from was telling me exactly what the history of the boat had been and that it was in good shape.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Let's take a a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, what features were important to you for your great loop boat, especially being that you had so much previous experience um, and how you kind of focused in on the Rossboro, since you did mention you looked at some of the other pocket trawlers out there. So we'll be back in a moment.
1: Green Turtle Bay Marina and Resort has consistently been voted a must-stop by loopers. It has earned the coveted five-anchor designation from Quimby's Cruising Guide. This full-service marina features over 450 slips. They are located at mile marker 31.5 on the scenic Cumberland River. Green Turtle Bay is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA, so join them and find your
2: waterway of life.
0: We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Sue Stevens and Craig Blassingame. They are some of our current loopers, and they're sharing the details of how they discovered and and bought their Rossboro for the Great Loop. So Sue and Craig, tell us where are you in your kind of your Great Loop adventure at this point?
1: So we are probably not going to do the entire loop. Mm -hmm. Um, we are definitely picking segments that we really want to do. We have just completed the entire Tennessee River round trip. Mm-hmm. So part of that's the Great Loop, and part of that's a side loop. Right. Uh, and and we why did we pick the Tennessee River? Because that's where the boat was when we bought it. So we just started there. Um, the boat now in, um, on its trailer um, for the winter. And in the spring, we're hoping to um, launch the boat in New Jersey, go up the Hudson, and across the Erie. That's the part of uh, the country I'm friend And so we wanted to do the Erie Canal. And we're not sure how much further we'll go, but we may end up keeping the boat um, in that area for a year or two. We're not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really what we want to do next. So we're just kind of picking pieces as as we go. So, Yeah.
0: So I suspect and, and I'll I'll leave you to answer this question. But you did mention, you know, you live on the West Coast currently and that you wanted a boat that you could bring back to the West Coast. Um, and you also just mentioned kind of just picking and choosing the areas of the loop that most interest you. So I suspect most of those things had a lot to do with the boat that you chose because it is trailerable, and both of those things come become much easier and much less costly if it's a trailerable boat. But you know, tell us besides besides the size, um, what other considerations or what other features were on your must-have list for your great loop boat.
1: Well, honestly, we, we have friends that have completed the great loop, and we were with them the day they bought their boat um, here in California. And so uh, they're very experienced, and, and so we knew that it you wanted to err on the small side rather than the large side. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, I mean, our features were basically, doesn't have a steering wheel that's inside. <laughs> Is it nice. Not- all does it have an engine you know a bed uh, uh you know really 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 basics our boat has almost nothing there's no shower uh, as my husband say there's no dishwasher other than him um, <laughs> there's no oven there's no canopy on the back I mean the, uh, we're talking bare bare bones there's no heater there's no inverter there's no air conditioner there's no radar I mean our boat is so bare bones you have no idea mm-hmm. but the nice thing is you know, if the boat has a go- good hull and a good design and a good layout that you like, you can add all of that stuff. I mean, right. you know, it's like a, a blank slate and you add it. Um, so that we really went in with we just want a Ross and we'll figure it out from there. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah. When we bought it, it didn't even have a battery charge. Mm-hmm. And wow. so I did. That was one of the first things we added. Um, and uh we haven't added anything you, special so there.
1: What, you added an electric pump for the water. Oh, that's the right. Because right. it is had it a hand it? pump, right? Uh-huh. You had the hand pump water. Like, right. And, he, and, you know, we're used to camping in a tent. Um, we're used to bike riding cross country and camping in a tent along the way. So this to us was like luxury to be uh-huh. in this little boat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm glad you added that because I think we encourage everybody to make the Great Loop what they want it to be. And everybody's dream experience is different. Um, and the way you're doing it is perfect for you. And you describe that you've been camping and and things like that. And, you know, there are some people that absolutely would not choose the boat that you have (laughs) because, um, to them, that would be a little bit too much roughing it. But if, if you enjoy camping and things like that, all the bells and whistles really aren't necessary to do the great loop.
1: Yeah. And honestly, this is a great example. If you're a young, young couple or a young person Mm -hmm. and you don't think you have money to do this, this is one way you can do this because, um, the funny thing about having a trailer boat, we don't have a, a truck to tow it. We have mm-hmm. no truck. So we actually even have to, you know, pay a towing company to put it in the water or rent a truck to move it around. So mm-hmm. we don't even have the expense of the truck either. Right. Um, so right. there are ways of doing the loop, uh, you know, I'm say on a dime. You can't quite do it on a dime, but you can certainly do it more on a dollar rather than a thousand dollars. Right. Sure. In,
2: sure. And in general, the, the smaller a boat is, the better uh, mileage it gets of, uh, for fuel so that's um that's a help here
0: and cheaper at marinas yeah yeah, yeah. of course so I'm going to ask you this fact, next um, I'm sorry go ahead
2: oh and, and in fact uh if, speaking of marinas we generally don't have any trouble finding a slip at a marina because mm-hmm. it's only 24 feet long
0: Yeah. And that is something that I'm hearing more and more concerns about. I'm not hearing a whole lot of people not finding slips with the exception of, you know, Florida for an extended stay in the winter. But I am, because boating has increased in popularity throughout the pandemic, I hear from a lot of people who have those concerns about finding a slip. And of course, the bigger the boat or the beamier the boat, that can become more challenging. So that's a great point that you brought up as well, that the smaller boats have an easier time finding dockage. Again, not not to panic anyone, not that I'm hearing of a lot of problems even with the bigger boats, but if it's something that worries you, you can rest a little bit more assured with a smaller boat that there's going to be more options for you. You did mention that you looked at some other pocket trawlers. Can you share you know, some of the details of, of what made you stick with the Rossboro or, or what features the other boats were missing or, or had they maybe you didn't care for?
2: Well, I the other one that we seriously looked at was the Ranger uh, 27. And um, I, I think that the, the major difference there was the cost. Um, the Rossboro was considerably less expensive uh-huh. and um, for, for about the same features, um, I probably could have gotten a wet uh, head uh, for a shower, to have a shower in, in a, a, a Ranger. But other than that, there wasn't a lot of difference between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, If we'd had our choice of everything we wanted, I would have gotten a Rossboro with uh, outboard engines on it instead of an inboard outboard. But um, Mm -hmm. I don't think the inboard outboard has been a major disadvantage for us. What it does in general is that it eats up part of the space that you would have in the back cockpit cockpit area.
0: Mm-hmm. so do you have any back cockpit area at all is it just smaller or do you, does that not exist on your boat
2: no no it's just small or mm-hmm. and we have a built-in table there made by the cover that's on the engine so
0: <laughs> there you go but
2: I mean there's a there's a joke that that Ross Burroughs, um sleep to eat, eat- Four, Four and drink, drink six. six. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I can see where that would yeah. be the case. Yeah, comfortably. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we can we can fit two small,
1: uh, you know, outdoor chairs on the back. We just fold them up when they're not in use and open them up when we are in use. And we don't have a canopy. And so we just, we have a beach umbrella. We tie a beach umbrella over our heads. That mm-hmm. well, works.
2: We also have two folding electric bikes that actually fit comfortably under the dinette table when wow. it's up, That's and the, nice. the two of us and the two of us can still sit at the table. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't eat four with with the with the uh, bicycles in there, but I right. can eat two.
0: Right. And when you're cruising, do you typically anchor a lot, or mostly marinas, or a combination of both?
2: Well, so far for this type of Cruising we 've been marinas almost exclusively, mm-hmm. um, but we, we have a lot of uh, experience in anchoring out, and I think that as we become more comfortable with the boat and maybe add a, a little bit of of, of uh, solar power to it, mm-hmm. I, I think I think we will do some anchoring out with it
1: yeah. Let's see. this boat has a feature that we 've never had on a boat before which is instead of the anchor going down inside the boat into an anchor locker, it has a reel on the top of the boat. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's not an anchor locker, but that's what, that's now the wine locker. And and, and so it's nice because it's on top of the boat and it's easy to manage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one question, um, a lot of our newer members, particularly if they're newer to boating are really struggling right now, beyond just finding a boat, the next struggle is getting insurance for that boat because it's just a very um, unique marketplace right now for the insurance. I'm guessing because you had so much previous experience and, and, you know, with bo- boats 20 feet longer <laughs> than what you have now, as opposed to the other direction, which many loopers are going, I'm suspecting you didn't have a whole lot of issues finding insurance, but tell us a little bit about what that process was like for you.
2: Well, I, you are correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the very first time we ever got insurance for a boat, um, other than a ski boat, we did have a a little bit of problems with the 46 foot. Um, I, I had put together a whole list of years of experience of us both in the service and outside the service. Um, but I, I think that, uh, uh, what I would recommend for people is take a course, Mm -hmm. get a certification and. And the insurance companies are reasonable. Uh, the fact that if you know what you're doing and you're um, most states now have uh, boating licenses and we actually took I took the boating course. We had to take it here in California, but I actually ended up t- taking it in Alabama because that's where the boat is right now. And that's where we have it licensed. So. um. And I think all of those things together, uh, encouraging the, uh, our insurance company to go ahead and cover this boat.
1: Yeah, um, I would like yeah. to give everybody a tip. And that is, you know, first of all, both of you should learn how to drive this boat and drive it a lot, whatever the boat is. If you don't have a boat yet, the cheapest way to get boating experience is go to your local yacht club. You do not have to be a member. Find- have sailboat races they always need crew and get out on that boat on a weekly basis it's free it's free and you can go on so many different kinds of boats and just having sail racing experience will will justify how to maneuver. That's that's my tip for getting experience if you don't currently have a boat.
0: That is a great tip um, because we do have sailboat races weekly in Charleston during the season, and I know people who have volunteered to crew for that. And I've never heard that suggested as a way to beef up your boating resume, but it, it makes total sense. So I really appreciate you bringing that up because so many towns and cities have something like that, and it is a great opportunity to add some of those hours on a boat. So um, and insurance companies are looking for that boating resume these days. So um, Sue and Craig, any last thoughts, anything I didn't ask about your boat that you would want to make sure everybody knows before we we wrap up?
2: I want to add something to the last comment that that we made. And that was, um, if if you've got a spouse that's uh, reticent to do this or worried about it, um, one of the best ways that I know to get someone comfortable with boating is to let them drive mm-hmm. you know yeah. you can stand behind them you can stand beside them you can you can provide you know safety tips but if you let them drive it it goes a long way for them to be comfortable with the yeah. uh, with boating yeah. yeah we actually do that too with guests if they're if they're getting seasick
1: yeah mm-hmm. um i just want to add that as many years of boating experience we have had, you know, we're still always learning something new. So this trip on the Tennessee river, we had never done locks before. Mm -hmm. And so that was new to us. Um, And so, um, and then the other thing we just did is we winterized the boat ourselves. And the nice thing about YouTube is you can go online and get instructions to do anything. And, um, we won't really know till spring if it worked, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but we're pretty sure we did it. We pretty sure we did it right. You know, between the engine <laughs> the water system and the sewage system, we think we did it right, but that, you know, builds your confidence in yourselves, but also your confidence in understanding your boat.
0: Yeah. And that, that's another great tip because, um. Uh, as you said, Craig, towards the beginning, and this is an an analogy I've heard before, and I love it, is that once you have that boat, you're kind of, you know, running a small city. You've got, you know, the plumbing and the sewer, um, the electric, everything. And the more you know about that, the more comfortable you can get with every aspect of it. So um, lots of great tips here. I'm sure that all of our listeners are really going to enjoy it. And I want to thank both you, um, Sue and Craig. It's been a delight talking with you. Um, And best of luck with your next travels. Enjoy the the New Jersey and New York segment that you intend to do next.
2: All right. Thank you.
0: Thank Thank you. you. It's been our pleasure. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.